It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his Welcome in, everybody, episode 245 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Artura Sports Podcast. I'll tell you what, people, it is Thursday, April 16th. First of all, great show today. Uh, I, I usually, obviously, put out a show every Thursday morning. I decided to wait until after Jalen Green, the number three high school player in America, made his choice because I really did feel like there was going. It was worth waiting for. There had been talk all week that he was going to pursue professional options, and whoa, buddy, am I glad that I waited because uh, Jalen Green essentially, again, is going to go professional. What is so unique is that the G League has essentially set up a unique program completely for him. So I will talk about that. I will talk about how it pertains to other elite high school players. Obviously, the buzz this week was Terrence Clark, a Kentucky recruit, uh, wanted, was considering this program. Isaiah Todd, a former Michigan commit, has decided to be part of this program. And it is fascinating, it is groundbreaking, I'm going to talk about the pluses and minuses of this program from both perspectives. Will it impact college basketball? How much it will impact college basketball? And really how it all came together. And I hope you guys stick around. I should mention, by the way, on top of that, I got another great guest for you. I'll tell you what, the quarantine guest tour of 2020 is rolling on because the SEC Player of the Year, Emmanuel Quickly, joins the show. And you talk about a kid that has been through a lot in two years since he he himself left high school basketball. Emmanuel Quickly is a kid who uh, committed to Kentucky to play point guard, goes from that to playing off the ball. He barely plays as a freshman. And so it is a fascinating conversation with Emmanuel Quickly. He joins the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I should tell you, this quarantine guest tour is rolling on next week. I already have not one, but two guests already recorded for next week who are dynamite. I won't give them away, but one is a major college basketball coach in the SEC. It is not John Calipari, but somebody that I have never had on, somebody that I think you guys will enjoy. The other one is a former Kentucky Wildcat, now in the NBA, a superstar. Uh, And I think you guys will love it. I think you guys will love it. So, uh, great episode coming today, and then of course, a great interview with Emmanuel Quickly. More great episodes coming next week. Before we get started, I should remind everybody very quickly, please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. 
You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, the Podcast Addict app is the way to go. Also, you can download on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Pod Paradise, Podbean, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what I'm doing well. How about you do a little something like my boy Chardun did? Because Chardun, of course, is a longtime listener of the show. And he said, best podcast, best sports podcast going. Aaron is always entertaining whether I agree with him or not. So Chardun, thank you to you, my man. Thank you to Mike underscore 2018. Mike, who left a review. Uh, It's been a great couple weeks for reviews, so thank you guys for doing that. Finally, uh, make sure you're following on Instagram, previews of the show, pictures, videos, all that stuff. And of course, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. All right, people, no more time to waste because it was oh today. So today is Thursday, April 16th, and it was a monumental day. I don't know if a landmark, I don't know if it's a, a paradigm changing day in the history of college basketball and in the history of the NBA, the G League, etc. But it is a very important day. As I mentioned off the top, Jalen Green, the number three player in all of high school basketball, has elected not to go to college. He would have gone to Memphis had he decided to go to college and instead is going to take a professional route through the G League. And basically, as I said a minute ago, they have the G League and the NBA have essentially set up a unique program just for him, which is basically a developmental program. And the reason this has become such a big story is because the G League is pursuing many of the top high school players in America, and it became a story, really big story earlier this week, because Terrence Clark, a five-star kid committed to Kentucky, briefly considered joining this path. He elected not to, but there has been rumblings all week uh, about what this G League thing would look like, and we finally got some answers on Thursday morning. I should mention before I get into this really quick, uh, I am recording immediately after this announcement, so I may be a little bit scatterbrained, I may be a little bit all over the place, Uh, bear with me, try to deal with me, I'm kind of going off the top of my head here, but this is such a big story, it is so important that I wanted to get this podcast out as soon as possible. And I think when you look at this, this situation, I think it really does go back to frankly, about a year ago. And if you remember, uh, there was a kid named RJ Hampton who played high school basketball here in the United States. And as you probably remember, he committed not to play in college basketball, but instead to go play in Australia. And for people who are longtime listeners of the show, that's actually where the term shout out to Torrent Craig came from because last year at around this time when RJ Hampton elected to go overseas, I said, look, I don't think this is a bad decision. If he wants to be a professional and make money, I have no problem with that at all. But what I would also say very briefly is that RJ Hampton said at the time that he believed that the reason he was going to Australia was because it was the best path to the NBA for him. And I said, you know, I don't know if I really believe that. And there was a number of reasons why. But what I said at the time was, is that if it really is about best preparing yourself for the NBA, the G League is actually the best place to go. Because the G League is actually the best basketball outside of the NBA, the best players outside of the NBA. Frankly, a lot of NBA players play in the G League. Uh, They bounce back and forth. So I said, if it was really about that, it would be the best, it would be in RJ Hampton's best interest to just go to play in the G League. 
Of course, Australia got mad. Oh, my God. The whole continent of Australia got mad at your boy, AT, because I said that their league, which wasn't very good, by the way, I said it wasn't very good. People got mad. They they shout, You know, they said all the people that have come through that program, oh, Andrew Bogut uh, played in this. Yeah, well, Andrew Bogut couldn't even get off the bench for the Warriors this last year. Well, this guy played in Henry Ellenson, and it's like that dude barely played at Marquette when he was there. And so on and on. And so I got into the whole thing with the, with the nice Australian folks, and they're normally so nice. They did not like Aaron Torres, though. And so it really does start there because I think it became apparent at the time that players really were looking for options outside of college basketball. And the one thing in all that crazy two weeks where the whole country of Australia hated me that I will take credit for and I will defend myself on is that I said RJ Hampton will not be the only player interested in taking some sort of professional route to the NBA. And it's ironic because I actually, I'd have to go back and listen, but I'm pretty sure that I believe that I said Jalen Green would be another one of those players because Jalen Green is a player like RJ Hampton that is a quote-unquote big brand. Um, he plays a very aesthetically style, you know, pleasing style of basketball in the sense that uh, he's a high flyer and he's a big dunker and he's got a lot of followers on Instagram. He's got a lot of followers on YouTube. And so he is a guy that is a brand. And I always said, I said, I don't think this guy's ever going to play college basketball. And so, of course, at the time, Time last year, I thought that the option would be not to play in college, but instead to play in Australia. And I think there's a possibility that, you know, he could have still, in theory, gone to Australia, but something changed in the last week. And so what changed very simply is this. And so, so to backtrack, what I'm trying to say is I never once said that I did not believe that there would be other players pursuing professional opportunities. Jalen Green is the most recent one. And it brings us to today. And it really brings us to this whole week because this whole week there was buzz that there was something going on with the G League that nobody could really put their finger on, right? So on Monday, Isaiah Todd, who had been committed to Michigan forever but never actually signed with them, announces he's going to uh, pursue professional options. And at the time, I said, well, this kid's crazy because if he's going to go overseas to Australia, uh, that's a, you know, it's a weird time to commit to go play overseas because of the fact that Frankly, we don't know what overseas travel is going to look like, and we don't know what the living, you know, like, it didn't make sense, right? And then you start to hear rumors that, well, maybe he's not going to go overseas. Maybe he's going to stay stateside. And then, of course, as I said a minute ago, on Tuesday night, this rumor breaks that Terrence Clark, a player committed to Kentucky, is also being pursued by the G League and that he is very much considering it. There's talk that Jalen Suggs, a Gonzaga commitment, is looking at going to play professional basketball somewhere and that other players are being pursued. I'll get into who the other guys are in a minute. But that all of a sudden, the G League had become a player for these elite high school recruits. And I know that leads to two very simple questions for you. Why wasn't the G League a factor before and what changed? Well, why wasn't the G League a factor before is very simple. The reason the G League wasn't a factor was because, frankly, it wasn't a very good deal for high school kids, right? So for people who don't know, the G League put in this program. It's called the Select Program probably about two years ago now. And in essence, what the Select Program was was this. If an elite high school player did not want to go play college basketball, he could go play in the G League and get a $125,000 salary. That wasn't all that appealing to an elite high school kid. And you might be asking yourself, well, why wasn't that appealing? $125,000 is a lot of money. It's a lot of money for all of us. It's a lot of money for most of you listening. It's a lot of money for me. It's certainly a lot of money for an 18-year-old high school player. But what I think is that if you really break it down, the deal wasn't that good. 
first of all, while 125,000 is good, you were going to the G League, you were going to be riding in buses and, 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 you know, doing what G League people do, which is playing in small arenas with no fans, no media exposure. And, you know, the branding element of it wasn't that great, right? So even a Zion, as great as Zion's brand was, I don't think you can argue that Zion's brand was helped by playing college basketball. And so there was the branding element of it. Do you want to play on these buses? And, you know, you got to go play in an empty arena in Maine. And, you know, the, 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 money, and the money wasn't that good. And then the second thing was you're playing a G League schedule. You're going to get exposed. Not because 18-year-old kids can't eventually be good, be turn into very good 23, 24, 25-year-old college basketball or, or NBA players, but because it's really hard to play against grown men in the G League. As I said a minute ago with the RJ Hampton stuff, the G League is the second best league in the, in it is the second best league outside of the NBA in the world, okay? There are so many good players that just aren't quite good enough for the NBA or there's not enough roster spots or um, you know they need to go down and develop. It's really hard to make it out of the G League. And so a lot of players looked at that 125,000. They just said, look, I'm sorry, but this is not for me. I'd rather go to college for one year. My brand will come out stronger. I get to play on national TV. I get to play in front of packed arenas. I get to be on a college campus. I get to have fun for a year, and then I get to move on to the next level. So that was why people weren't doing it. Now, the next question is, what has changed in the last couple of days? The thing that has changed the last couple of days is two things. One, I think, first of all, Adam Silver in the NBA said, we cannot have our best high school players going halfway across the world to play if they don't want to go play in college basketball. One, it's a bad look for our G League that you know we're trying to develop into a, a real minor league system. And then two, it just doesn't make fiscal sense in the sense that you know we're going to have to send our scouts and GMs three quarters of the way around the world, a 24-hour plane ride to evaluate these high school kids. So instead... Let's build up the G League system. So that is one thing that changed. Adam Silver just said, unacceptable. We have to figure out a way to make this G League thing work. And then the thing that really changed, and I'll give credit to my buddy Matt Jones, Kentucky Sports Radio. He was the first one to report this. The thing that changed is the money change. And so you saw it on Thursday morning with Jalen Green is that the money is closer to $500,000, as Matt Jones reported. And all of a sudden, you look at $500,000, and you start to say, that's a lot of money. I can also get endorsement deals, and for a kid like Jalen Green, who I would argue has the second biggest brand in high school basketball uh, since Zion Williams, since he has the biggest brand since Zion, so the second biggest in probably the last two, three, four years, um, you know, he'll be able to make money on a sneaker deal. Now, will he be able to make as much money if he went to Duke and led Duke to a Final Four? No, but he's still going to make good money having played uh, as a pro, even without playing in college basketball, and so... That's really what changed, is that one, the NBA said, we got to do something about this, and two, we're going to offer real money, $500,000 is a lot to give up. What is actually really interesting, though, is this, is that I waited for the Jalen Green announcement, and I am so glad I did, and I'll tell you why. Because the Jalen Green announcement was very different than I think a lot of people in basketball were expecting, okay? So the Jalen Green announcement, in essence, Jalen Green is not going... The reason the announcement was so big is this. One, he becomes the first player to officially declare for the new G League, right? We've had other guys go overseas. Brandon Jennings went overseas years ago. RJ Hampton went overseas, all that stuff. 
Um, but J- Jalen Green's the first guy that said, you know what, I'm going to stay stateside. I am not going overseas. I'm going to be part of this program. But what is interesting about this program is very simply this, is that the program is completely different than what we were thinking. Jalen Green is not going to play for a G League team. He's not going to play for the uh, Ogden Raptors or the Maine Red Claws or you know one of those I, I made up. The, rain, the Maine Red Claws are a real team. But he's not going to go play for one of these, you know, fake G League teams. He is going to be part of this new initiative by the NBA. And so the way that this thing is structured is very simply this, is that this is basically a developmental year for Jalen Green. And this is so unique, okay? So, so let me try to explain this as best as I can. Because I think as of two or three days ago, we all thought all these kids are committing to go play in the G League, and the money's better, and this is why they're doing it. That is not the case at all. They are not going to a specific team. They are instead going to kind of a new program that has been put in place by the G League. And in this program, basically what they're going to do, it's going to be the high school kids that want to do it, and I do think there's going to be two, three, four, five that are interested. Jalen Green has already committed to it. Isaiah Todd, a former Michigan commitment, has already committed to this program. As I said, Jalen Suggs, a former uh, or a current Gonzaga commitment, has decided to be part of this program. McCour Maker, I believe, will be part of this program. He is Thon Maker's cousin, who is also weirdly eligible for the NBA draft, so I don't really understand how that would work. I've also heard, I'll just be honest, I'll tell you the two names I've heard in 2021 that are considering reclassifying that are also considering part of being part of this program or that are being pursued at least. One is Jonathan Kaminga, the top high school player uh, in the class of 2021 who most believe will play college basketball next year. I don't know if he's interested. I've been told that he has been contacted about this. There's also another kid named Michael Foster in the class of 2021 that it has supposedly been allegedly contacted. This is what I've been told. I'm not positive. But this program, as I've said now two or three times, it is not part of the normal G League structure. They're not going to one team living in that small town, riding buses, and playing in front of 500 fans. Instead, it's more of a developmental program similar to the academies that the NBA has set up across the world in the sense that uh, everyone will go to one place, they will live, and they will train. They will train with apparently, quote-unquote, elite coaches, NBA-caliber coaching. They will go through drills. They will practice every day, um, you know, and, and they will play some games. They'll play, you know, against other G League teams, but it's really more of a developmental academy than it is um, you know, a, a team or whatever. So again, he's not going to, this is, this is if, if you take anything away, this is the important part. He is not going to a G League team. He is going to a developmental program. And to the credit of the NBA, I think they've really thought this out. It sounds like it's a developmental program in which they'll develop on the court, they'll develop off the court. Um, for the high school kids, if they want to take online classes, their tuition will be paid for. I had a friend text me, it's kind of ironic, there was the kid Isaiah Todd who was committed to Michigan. In theory, he could still enroll at Michigan, pay for it himself, and instead, um, you know, instead he wouldn't have to actually play basketball for the University of Michigan. So it is basically almost like an immersion program, right? You get a new job, they give you an immersion program. You take six weeks, you go somewhere, you train, you do whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's essentially what this is going to be, um, you know, for high school basketball players going forward if they want. And I guess there's going to be other veteran players uh, in the coming days, weeks, and months. 
And, you know, it, it's just going to be this program where, again, they train, they practice, they get ready, you know, they prepare themselves kind of mentally and physically for the NBA. They do play some games against G League teams. And then, of course, in a year, Jalen Green will be eligible for the NBA draft. And so I think this, this program does make sense for a few reasons for an, uh, an elite high school player. One, you're getting paid really, really, really good money, right? Um, you don't have to go to college. You don't have to deal with the NCA and the nonsense of, you know, you can only practice this many hours and you have to go to class. And a lot of kids don't want to go to school. A lot, listen, if you could make $500,000 at 18 years old and you never had to open a book again, there's a lot of people that would take that option. Um, and again, most of it is the money, though. You can actually make $500,000. You can actually uh, be an endorsement or an endorser of different products. You can make money away from basketball, which is something that I do think the NCAA is really going to have to consider here in these next couple of years if they want any chance of keeping these elite high school players. And that's another conversation for another day. The NCAA is working on it. We'll see if anything happens. But that is what makes the program so appealing. What I'm not sold on, however, is that this is the complete death of college basketball because I do think there are some downsides to this program. And again, I'm really kind of coming at this from, you know, right off the top of my head and, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it in real time. So there may be stuff that I think about uh, today, tomorrow, Saturday, and I'll talk about it more on Monday's show. But I do think there are some negatives to this program as well. I think the first one is, it doesn't really sound like they're playing all that many games. And, you know, I know it sounds like, like this is the thing that drives me crazy about all these basketball players is that I understand everybody wants to make money. And again, the NCAA really has to consider allowing these players to benefit off their name, image, and likeness because money is a real issue. It's hard to turn down $500,000 or close to a million dollars with endorsements or whatever Jalen Green's going to make. It's hard to turn down that money at 18 years old to play completely for free. And I know it's not completely for free, but it kind of is for free. But... I still just don't understand the appeal of you're a basketball player, right? You practice hard so it shows off in games. And I don't understand like what the appeal of being in a program where you got to practice basically nonstop every day um like I don't get it. Like, wh like, what is the appeal of that? I understand you're making money. I understand you're going to be making good money. I understand you're working with NBA, um, you know, coaches and trainers, and you can still go to school on the side. I get all that. I don't understand what the appeal of like not playing games are. Like Jalen Green's a great basketball player, right? Well, what's gonna happen, um, you know, when he turns on a, a, a Duke game in in January or a Kentucky game in in January, and they're playing in front of eighteen thousand people, twenty thousand people, North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Tennessee, whatever it is. Like, you mean to tell me there's not gonna be a moment where he's like, man, this. I kind of, I'm kind of sick of practicing. Like, say what you want about RJ Hampton going to Australia, but at least that guy got to play games. They only played once a week, but at least he got to play games. This guy's going to play like, you know, from the sounds of things, a handful of games over the course of the season. And like, I just don't know how appealing that is to some people. Now, I think to a lot of families, it's actually secretly kind of appealing because, hey, I don't have to play. I just get to practice behind the scenes. I play one or two games, whatever. But I think that's one of the negatives is like you're not playing that many games. Like the fun part of basketball is playing games. Like all the hard work that I do to prep for this show is so that when I go on air, I crush it, which I always do, by the way, no big deal. 
But like that's the fun part. The fun part isn't preparing for this show. The fun part is hitting record and going. So that's part of it. Is like I don't understand the appeal of not playing. Like I didn't understand James Wiseman leaving. Like I understand the NCAA screwed you. It sucks. I hate what they did to James Wiseman. But like to go sit and not do anything, not play games for you know whatever six, seven, eight months. Like that sucks. What's the point? There's only so much. Pre- there's only so many jump hooks you can take before you get tired of it. Like I don't understand what the appeal is. The other thing, which I do think could be a downside if kids are not careful, you're now getting exposed in front of NBA personnel for a whole year for who you really are. And here is what I mean by that. Under a normal circumstance, if a kid goes to college, let's say he balls out. Let's just say for the sake of argument that he balls out, right? And He's really good, but he's a pain in the ass behind the scenes. And there's a lot of kids that are a pain in the ass. There's a lot of kids whose parents are a pain in the ass. When the NBA draft process starts, the college coach is always going to say good things about you for two reasons. One, it benefits him. It benefits the college coach if his guy gets drafted really high. But two, he's not going to crush a kid. So let's just say we'll, call, we'll, we'll use a hypothetical recruit. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. Let's say there's a recruit named Aaron Torres, and he is incredibly talented, probably very handsome too, by the way, neither here nor there. Uh, He's incredibly talented, but like, damn, he is a pain in the ass, and he has so many wants and so many needs, and he only wants purple Skittles in the tray, and like, like, if that guy balls out for John Calipari at Kentucky, or for Dan Hurley at UConn, or for Rick Barnes at Tennessee, or for Chris Mack at Louisville, like, Chris Mack and Louisville are going to be like, yeah, no, he's a great kid, loved having him. You know, wish we could have had him for longer. When in reality, Chris Mack's like, the guy was a pain in the ass. I didn't want to deal with him. His purple Skittles thing was absurd. Get rid of that guy. I'll bring in another guy who's less headache. And so I think when you get these kids in a confined environment where they're not playing, where they are a lot of pra- where there is a lot of practice, and where they're being 18-year-old kids, where they're being, um, you know, who they are, I think it's going to expose some of them as like, less draftable than they would if they just went to college. And so I'm just going to give you an example because the kid is a professional now, so I'm just going to say it as it is. I interviewed the kid Isaiah uh, Isaiah Todd a few times. I'm not saying he's a terrible human being. I am not saying that at all. What I am saying, he was actually very nice to me. He was very respectful, so no disrespect to the kid. But I've heard behind the scenes, he's kind of a pain in the butt. He's kind of hard to deal with. He's kind of moody. Some days he shows up and he doesn't really want to practice. Some days he shows up and he doesn't really want to play. Some days he does and he's awesome. But some days he's kind of like, eh, whatever, I could take this or leave this. And I only bring this up because what happens when he's behind the scenes with NBA people for a full year and out of the seven days of the week, out of the 30 days in a calendar month, 28 of them, he's got to practice and he's got to lift and he can't play. Like, that's going to wear on a kid after a while, I think. And I think that's a kid that could get exposed. I think if he goes to Michigan, averages 16 a game, they ask Juwan Howard about, oh, Juwan, oh, he's amazing. I loved having him. He's the greatest kid ever. I think you put that kid behind closed doors for a year with NBA people and NBA people talking, and they're going to say, man, the kid was a lot to deal with. He's talented, but, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want him around my team, especially at eight, 19 years old when I'm going to have to pay him millions of dollars. And so I bring all this up. To say that, like, I like, I don't. It's certainly not a good day for college basketball, and there are other days to talk about what needs to change. And I do think that very simply, um, I do think that very simply, um, the NCA has to change. It has to evolve. It has to allow players 
to monetize their name, image, and likeness. I will defend the NCAA on this. If the NBA G League is offering $500,000, I'm not sure there's many NCAA programs that can compete with top uh, with the G League for that money. Um, so it's certainly not a good day for college basketball. But I think the idea, I think the G League's idea is we are just going to squash college basketball because we're going to pay these kids. We're going to set up a program where they will succeed. And I give the G League credit for all this. I give the G League credit for all this. But we're going to set up a program where they succeed, all this stuff, blah, 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 this and that. And then we're going to push them off to the NBA and there's going to be so many success stories. I'll tell you this, a kid like Jalen Green's really talented. I think he would have been a top three pick if he had played at Memphis where he said he would have gone to, if he played in this program, if he went to Australia, if he just trained for a year. I think he would have been a top three pick regardless. But I think there's a lot of kids that are like a tier below that, that you get them behind the scenes that it's kind of like, eh, that kid wasn't as good as we thought. He's more of a pain in the ass than we thought. His parents are a pain in the ass. His agent is a pain in the ass. I'm just going to pass on him. I'm going to take the two-year kid from Michigan. I'm going to take the two-year kid from UConn, Louisville, Dayton, Indiana, Kentucky, because that kid, like, like that kid's just easier to deal with. And I, and at the very least, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, I don't know as much about him, so because of that, um, you know, so because of that, it makes it easier for me to make a commitment to this kid. So those are kind of my broad thoughts. On a very surface level, it is certainly not good for college basketball. I do think they need to change the structure, but I don't think that every kid is going to do this because one, I don't think that the NBA is interested in bringing in every elite kid. I do think there are reasons to go to college basketball, actually playing games. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the branding opportunity that comes with being on national TV 35, 40 times a year. And of course, you know, everything else that, that comes with it as well. But I also think there are some negatives too, in the sense that, like I said, I think some kids are going to get exposed. The reason you go to college is so you don't get exposed. So you're not playing against grown men. So I hope all this made sense. I hope I explained what this program is, what it will look like. And listen, again, for the last time, and again, I'm going off the top of my head. So I hope you guys have been able to follow me and I hope I've made sense. This is certainly not a great day for college basketball. I'm not sold that it is the final death knell, though, because, again, what happens if a couple of these kids don't have success? What happens if Jalen Green gets exposed as being behind the scenes a real pain in the butt, and all of a sudden, a Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, a B.J. Boston, a Terrence Clark from Kentucky, they ball out, they have none of the off-the-court problems, then I think it changes some things. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Jalen Green. But I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think this first year is going to be a major case test where it's kind of like, okay, if these guys all have success, if they all reach their potential, if they're all coachable, if they all listen, if they all play well at the G League level when they play in these games, I think that is going to be a success, and I think a lot of kids are going to do it. But I also think there are some scenarios where some kids could really suffer from this and where this program isn't as successful. And I would also say this. I also think there's the possibility that the NBA kind of looks at it and says, if this is a smashing success, yes, this is the final thing that we need to do to eliminate the one and done rule. And I do think eventually the one and done rule is going to be eliminated. And I think because of it, um, you know, what's going to end up happening is, is that a lot of these kids, when they come to the NBA, rather than going to the NBA, they will go to this G League program. But I also think it could work in the opposite way. I think college. I think the NBA is going to realize a lot of these kids are really high maintenance and they're not very good, and we'd rather just ship them off to Coach K or John Calipari for a year or two uh, to kind of get them in line. So I hope all that made sense. I hope, I hope it all made sense. Listen, like I said, all this came out 
uh, this morning. I wanted to get it out to you as fast as possible, and I hope I did. All right, I, there were some other topics I wanted to get to. I just did a half an hour on this stuff. I'm just going to save it for another day. Uh, that is it for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Great show today. Thank you so much for being patient as I got this show out there. Uh, and 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 I hope you had fun. I hope this was educational. I hope you learned, and I hope if you have any questions, by the way, send them to me, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. But that is all for the show, for this portion of the show. As I mentioned, Emmanuel Quickly is coming up later on in the show. Uh, great interview with him. Really fun, really you know, dynamic kid. Really enjoyed it. And as I said, two big-time guests coming next week. Before I get out of here, I want to remind you, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on the Podcast Addict app. You can do it on Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Wherever you listen to the podcast, the Aaron Torres Podcast, you can subscribe there. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars like my man Chardon did when he said Aaron is always entertaining whether I agree with him or not. Uh, Aman97AB also says, very fun podcast to listen to. Look forward to it each and every episode. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for subscribing. Make sure to follow on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. Uh, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Uh, and again, if you have any more questions, anything you want me to touch on as it pertains to this story, let me know. But that is all for the show today. That is all the time that I have. Shout out to my boy, Torrent Craig. That is it. Uh, shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Now, Emmanuel Quickly, the SEC Player of the Year, joins me. All right, and joining me on the phone now, very excited to have this guest. He is the SEC Player of the Year. Uh, he made my All-American list. Emmanuel Quickly, former University of Kentucky Wildcat, future NBA stars on the phone. My man, what's going on? I'm doing how are you? I'm doing really well, Emmanuel. I'm doing really well. First of all, uh, I give you props, man, because uh, I, I we've been trying to set up this call and, you know, there's this narrative that as soon as you declare for the draft, you get ready, you go to some gym, and you work out 24 hours a day. You are still doing schoolwork, my man. So how is uh, this uh, quarantine world that you're living in? I know you've been crushing it on 2K. I found that on Google. Uh, but outside of 2K, uh, what have you been doing? How have you been passing the time in kind of these crazy times? Um, honestly, been a lot of time with my family. Um, reading, reading my Bible, uh, working out just at home. You know, we, we can't get in, in gyms and stuff like that, playing pickup. So uh, there's been a lot of conditioning at home, uh, push-ups, workouts from home and stuff like that. So. Well, and I was going to say, too, when you say conditioning from home, is that exactly what you said, like sprints in the street, uh, push-ups, sit-ups, things like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, just running around the block. we got a couple of <laughs> hills around here that I can run. So just trying to stay in shape. Uh, just trying to stay in the shape that I was in during the season so you not to stay on top of all that. Very good. Uh, we'll get into kind of the draft process and all, everything that goes around uh, that in a minute. I did quickly want to go back to, um, you know, what uh, really your time even before Kentucky. I don't know if people would remember this, but right when I started this podcast, you and I did speak. And, um, you know, I think what people forget is it's crazy how far that you've come, uh, you know, even with this program. You played for Coach Cal in Egypt with Team USA many years ago, um, and you originally committed as a point guard. You were the first player who committed in the class of 2018, I guess it was. Uh, eventually, Keldon Johnson, Tyler Hero, Ashton Hagens, EJ Montgomery uh, joined you in that recruiting class. When you look back to the day that you either met Coach Cal, you played for Coach Cal, or even the day you committed to Kentucky, 
I mean, how surreal is your path? Because again, it hasn't been a linear thing. It's taken bumps and you know turns along the way. But here you are now as an SEC Player of the Year and a guy that's going to make a lot of money playing basketball here in a few months. Man, it's been great. Uh, all glory to God, but a lot of hard work, man. It's, like you said, it hasn't always been easy. Uh, there's been a lot of days, you know, where you, you know you, you kind of want to almost give up. It's been hard, uh, but you know it, it all turned. It all turned good. Ended up winning SEC Player of the Year. Ended up having a lot of team success as well. So um, it was just, you know, coming to Kentucky was, was what I always call one of the best decisions of my life, and that I, I always be able to have this that I this. Uh, I guess, like, uh, saw in my mind that I overcame something that a lot of people didn't think I could do, and I'll be able to take that with me, uh, you know, as my journey goes on. So that's really interesting because we all saw this year your success, SEC Player of the Year, all those 20-point games. Um, but you said in, in passing there, you know, there were days that you wanted to give up, that you wanted to, to – that, that maybe this wasn't the path for you. I mean, in those dark moments – and it's something that's interesting. I had Mason Jones on, another great player from the SEC a few days ago, and he and I talked about kind of the similar thing in his career. But what, what advice would you give to somebody, a young kid listening that's struggling, uh, playing basketball, playing football, school's not going well – uh, because somebody like you, I think, is a great example of things don't always go perfectly, but you can get to that end goal. Uh, what would you say to somebody like that? I tell them it's always right at the end of the tunnel as, as long as they keep working hard. You know, um, if you don't work, you don't you don't eat. So uh, as long as you keep working, you get better each and every day. Uh, whatever they're doing, it doesn't even have to be basketball. But as long as you keep working and get better just a little bit uh, each and every day, 1% better, you'll eventually, you know, get closer to 100%. And I was thinking back earlier today to, to your freshman season. Uh, it didn't go as planned, which, you know, we've kind of already touched on here. But I was just thinking about even in that first season, I have to feel like there are learning lessons in, in a process. I mean, you were a guy that talking to people close to you, um, you know, you had a ton of success in high school, but it wasn't necessarily, quote unquote, always easy for you in high school and the same in that first year in college. Um, what did you learn uh, with the struggles and what did you learn from guys like P.J. Washington, Reed Travis, some of the older guys in that freshman season for you at Kentucky? Um, I think I, I think I learned a lot uh, from PJ and and Reed and those guys. They were they were like, I don't know, they were kind of like coaches on the floor almost. You know, they were that kind of solid rock for us. Uh, when games were tough, you could always look at their face and you know just be kind of calm by by their demeanor. So you know, I kind of took that with me into my uh, second year at Kentucky and my high school freshman year and sophomore years were like just like college. My freshman year in high school, I kind of struggled a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, actually came off the bench as a freshman in high school and then ended up winning the player of the year in my league as a sophomore. So that kind of translated to my college years, and, and that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence to just to stick, stick with it and keep working on it. So basically because you had lived through it once, you felt like I can do this again just at a higher level? Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. What about the, um, you know, you talked about the idea of P.J. Reed, guys like that being coaches on the floor. I mean, maybe nobody except for you and those closest to you thought that you were capable of having the season that you did, but was that a role that you wanted to take on coming into this season? Hey, obviously, I want, I want to be more productive, but regardless, I do need to be a leader on what is still kind of a pretty young team coming into this past season. Uh, yeah, I felt like coming into my second year, I kind of had an advantage. Um, I knew what the coaches expected. I knew what practice was going to be like. I knew what everything was going to be like. 
So really coming in my second year, I knew what I had to work on in the offseason. I knew what I had to get better at if I wanted to be on the floor, um, which was basically every part of the, every aspect of my game. Defense gets you on the floor, Kentucky. Uh, you make shots, that gets you on the floor. Uh, talking, um, toughness gets you on the floor, Kentucky. Uh, so really I just, you know, shored up all the parts of my game that I knew I was going to have to get on the floor, and, and it really gave me a lot of confidence just to be able to, you know, help others and, and talk and communicate things like that. Yeah, and you know, Coach Cal throughout the season said that you were among the hardest workers that he's ever had in the program. I mean, last off season, and I'm not—I don't know what your work schedule was like before it. Not saying you didn't work hard, but um, what was your off season schedule like? Because whether it was the mental approach, the physical approach. I mean, you were clearly a completely different dude when you came back, and I'd just be curious, you know, what you were doing. I know you said all of the tangible stuff, the the jump shot, the defense, uh, the, the communication, but what were you actually physically doing to get yourself prepared? Because obviously it goes without saying you were a completely different player. Oh, uh, yeah. That, well, when I was home, I basically played pickup every single day, and I worked out every single day, and I basically had like a two or three days every single day of the summer. Mm. And then when I had actually like a one week or one and a half week period where I stayed with Markel Fultz and just moved with him. Um, got to play him one-on-one a little bit. He showed me some stuff working out and things like that. So um, I got to pick his brain and just see basically the demeanor and, and the mindset you got to have to basically be an NBA player. And that kind of changed my outlook on uh, a lot of things heading into my sophomore year. What, what were the things that changed after hanging out with Markel all summer last year? Um, kind of that focus, that killer mindset you gotta have. Um, you know, basketball is all fun, but it's also business. Um, and and that's kind of the, the kind of the stuff he gave me. You know, uh, going into that year. What about the mental approach? You know, Calipari always says Kentucky isn't for everybody. And the one thing that I think we've learned through the years is that. It's very much a sink or swim place, right? They're always recruiting. They're always bringing in talented players, whether you're a returnee or whether you're a freshman. What? How did your mental approach change coming into this year? Because I could imagine, and maybe I'm wrong, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it could be an overwhelming thing for a freshman. And like you said, having that second year, I would imagine that along with the physical stuff, the mental stuff changed as well. Yeah, Coach Cowell has a saying uh, about take what you want. And I think that when he says that, that's... That, that's really actually a big part of Kentucky wow. um, when you're there. Uh, my freshman year, I didn't really understand that, but my sophomore year coming back, I actually really understood that. Um, so in practices, I took everything serious. Not that I didn't take it serious since my freshman year, but I just had a, a more you know focused approach. Uh, in games, I took everything serious. Even the, even the blue-white game and big blue madness game, I took everything serious. So uh, just that focused mindset coming in was really important for me. Was there a moment this season, and you know, you you had a ton of success, but obviously SEC play, it felt like you took it even to another level. Was there a moment where you felt like either the game slowing down, or you know, what what was the, whatever moment it was, or whatever feeling it was? Were there was there just a moment where you were like, dude, I got this, I am ready for this moment, give me the ball, whatever. I think the Louisville game was was a was a game changer for me uh, in the fact that I was. Um, I was still coming off the bench, but I was playing at the end of the game. And yep. that overtime, and that game went to overtime, and I think I made, like, a couple clutch buckets in that overtime, which, you know, gave me a lot of confidence. And then 
you know, after we won that game, it just kind of propelled me uh, throughout the season, so that was big for me. Oh, and it sure did, man. Dude, I'm thinking back to the Florida game at Rupp. I'm thinking back to the Texas A&M game. Do you have a favorite moment, a favorite game? Because there was two or three where the, the other four guys on the on the team just gave you the ball and let you do what you did, and uh, it was it was fun to watch. Uh, definitely that Florida game was probably – that was one of the biggest moments of my career. Um, the, the one shot that I had made that – it was like I had made uh, three threes in a row, and the last three uh, forced the Florida team to call a timeout. I had Ashton drove it and pitched it to me. It was like two guys on me. I just shot it anyway. <laughs> I, felt like I, was, I felt like I was playing pickup for a second. I felt like I was back at home just, you know, launching balls in, in a pickup game. So that was one of the craziest uh, games, one of the craziest moments of my life. Fantastic. And, and obviously, look, we understand that it's about your teammates. It's about, uh, you know, the name on the front of the jersey, all that stuff. But, you know, after what you went through the first year, what did it feel like the day that you found out that you were SEC Player of the Year? Again, it, your teammates deserve a ton of credit. But, man, you deserve a ton of credit, too, for putting in the work, doing what you did. How did it feel to be recognized by the coaches and the other players in the SEC? Oh, uh, yeah, like you said, my teammates deserve a lot of credit. Without them, that's not possible without the coaches and stuff like that. But um, like you said, also, the work that I had put in, I felt like, you know, I, I kind of deserved it. Uh, and the coaches, you know, in the league decided, which just shows you how much they uh, they how much they have respect for my game as well. Um, but really, you know, I'm really the guys. Uh, just, it reminded me that I got to keep working hard, you know, to drop down finish. At that time, you know, I still wanted to have a lot of team success as well and trying to get the SEC and national championship, obviously. We didn't get to do that. But just continue to work hard. And it, like I said earlier, you know, it just shows that, you know, you can overcome anything if you just continue to put the work in. Uh, I, you did mention, obviously, the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament. Take us through the last couple days of what ended up being the season. I mean, you guys obviously had gotten to Nashville, I assume. Um, and you kind of, you know, you were one of the few teams that wasn't playing until Friday. So you weren't on the court. You didn't have a game canceled later that day. What was it like? How surreal was it for fans who, uh, you know, are just curious how the season ended? Take us through those final few hours as, unfortunately, you find out that first the SEC tournament is canceled and then, of course, the NCAA tournament as well. Well, I can even take you through the days. Please. Honestly, there was, a, there was a day where, you know, everything was normal. Then we went to the next day. Then they said we are going to play without fans. Then we traveled. And then that day, or the next day, they said, so we might not be playing that night before the game the night before. And then the next day we got to the shoot around and they said we're not playing. So everybody's heart was kinda of broken at that time. When we got back we immediately played pickup. We just we just loved playing with each other. I think that's another advantage that we had. We liked being around each other. Uh, we liked hooping with each other. So um, you know, we played pickup as soon as we got back and then, you know, a couple of guys cried in the locker room just knowing, you know, it, it was gonna be their last game. And what was Coach Cal's message throughout all this? I mean, obviously there were probably different messages at different points in the day, different points in the week, but as the season, as it becomes clear that, that you guys won't play again, that this thing is over unexpectedly without a chance to compete for a championship, what was his kind of overarching message? Um, You know, he, he was he was bummed that he, he didn't get a chance to you know, coach us in the, in the tournament. He was bummed that, you know, uh, some guys didn't get the experience uh, that kind of tournament feel, you know, whether you win or lose, you know, the tournament is something that everybody dreams of playing in, you know, March Madness, everybody's watching March Madness. Uh, he told everybody, you better go to class, you better finish, 
uh, finish out the semester. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was just, you know, a cool thing to be around. The coaching staff was great. Uh, I said in my draft video, I enjoyed going to practice every single day. Practice was a, was a, was a ball. It was a pleasure to be around everybody there. And um, what are your lasting thoughts? Like when you think back on this team this season, um, you know, first of all, you said you love playing together. I assume you think you guys were good enough to win six more games and win a championship. But what what do you think about when what what will you think about when you think about this team in a couple years? Yeah, uh, obviously everybody thinks it's basketball, but I'm just gonna remember how funny these guys were. This was honestly one of the funniest teams I've been on. Uh, whether we went out to dinner or you know whether it was just practice, uh, a lot of personalities on this team, you know, which was really cool to be around. Everybody was different, which made us all you know kind of unique. Uh, in that sense, but this team was just so fun to be around. You know, we enjoyed each other's company, road games, home games, all that type of stuff. So I'm really gonna miss this team off the floor even even more than on the floor. Uh, really quick, I know you got to run here, but take us through the decision to declare. I mean, um, you know, obviously when the season ends, everybody's heartbroken. But at some point, you know, I, I I'll let you kind of set it up. But I would assume you realize, hey, I'm SEC Player of the Year. I had an incredible season. I did what I came to accomplish at Kentucky. I mean, take us into the draft decision. Was there anything that ultimately pushed you over the top? Did you know all along? Uh, just take us through that. Uh, yeah, you know, talking with my family, um, which, which was the main thing. But, you know, everybody was everybody was kind of telling me, you know, you didn't play point guard or stuff like that. But, you know, I, I'm, like you said, I won SEC player of the year. I played point guard all my life, so it's not like I don't know how to play point guard all of a sudden. Uh, but, you know, winning SEC player of the year, I mean, it ain't too much more that I can come back and do unless I win, you know, player of the year. Uh, but, you know, just just feeling like, I, you know, I've done what I've come to do, which was, you know, have a great season. And uh, Coach Cal was behind me with whatever I chose to do, so. I felt like uh, my job at Kentucky with BBN was done. And real quick, you know, I, I I know it's early to have kind of had feedback from NBA teams, but I think in a lot of ways you showed, you know, you said I played point guard my whole life. I feel like you showed the NBA a whole different side of you, which is especially in this era in the NBA where uh, everybody can handle the ball, everybody needs to be able to shoot. I would think that being able to show the side where you can play off the ball, where you can catch and shoot, where you can come around a screen, all of those things, I would assume, you know, whatever NBA feedback you've gotten, I would think would be positive to this point, no? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's the way the game's going. Uh, most of the quote-unquote point guards don't even handle the ball a lot of yep. times. So. Uh, but, nah, it, it was really good for me to be able to play with, you know, Ashton and Tyrese. I think we all benefited from playing with each other in the fact that the game is going that way, playing multiple playmakers, multiple ball handlers on the floor, uh, multiple, you know, scores on the floor. It was really good for me to be able to play in that situation. Very good. Last question. Obviously, over these next couple months, I don't think you anyone really has a great feel for what this process will look like, but when you get a chance to get in front of NBA people, hopefully it's in a gym, but even if it's through a Zoom session, a Skype session, what do you want to impress upon NBA people, and what would you tell an NBA person uh, that's kind of on the fence about, should I take this kid, should I not? What is it about Emmanuel Quickly that is going to make an NBA team really happy that they took him? Um, 
Well, I, th- I think one thing in particular, a lot, I think everybody, you know, that, that enters the draft can play basketball. I don't think there's a question about that. But it's kind of the stuff, what else do you bring to a team that, that benefits that team? I think my leadership was, was really good this year. And a lot of the stuff that, uh, that I might say right now, you might not see in a stat sheet, but I think my leadership was, was really good. And I feel like I was a coach on the floor. Um, you know, it was always positive in the locker room, things like that. So, uh, just bringing stuff to a team that you you know you might not see in a statue is really important. Well, and I would think too the 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 stuff that we talked about earlier, the adversity overcoming it that right. you weren't yeah that you weren't always the star. I mean, right. I feel like that plays a big role in this too. Right, um, and and I've had to do that for for a couple teams. You know, USA Basketball, the team that we won the gold medal on, uh, the semifinal and championship. I rarely played so. Um, the team that uh, we won bronze with with Coach Cal, uh, I played a lot on that team. But the team before that, you know, I, I didn't play as much. And then my freshman year, you know, I didn't play as much as my sophomore year. So um, overcoming adversity has been, been, you know, a lot through my life. And, you know, if, if it happens in the league, you know, I'll be ready for it. And, I, and I'll just continue to keep grinding. Fantastic. Anything else as I let you go here? Anything that you want to push out to – Big Blue Nation to fans to college basketball fans that enjoyed watching you play. Anything that we haven't hit on? Uh, honestly, uh, not too much. Uh, BBN best fans in the world, man. I enjoyed playing at Rupp. Uh, I'm definitely miss playing for uh, for BBN. They were the best. Emmanuel quickly, SEC Player of the Year. He made my All American team. Uh, dude, this was so fun. Best of luck. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back in touch down the road, but thank you for the time, my man, and uh, I hope I, I hope, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Appreciate you. God bless. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.